afternoon or good evening wherever you may be and welcome to another amazing edition of corner gas fan corners the jackass cast in which we bring you interviews with the cast and crew of canada's finest television export corner gas and corner gas animated and today is no exception i am bringing you my little chat with director extraordinaire and musician even more extraordinaire david story now, David directed the majority of the original live action episodes of Corner Gas, and he's the vocal director on Corner Gas Animated. But not many people realise that he's a musician as well and has some albums out, does live gigs around Canada, and is absolutely amazing, absolutely fantastic, and a lovely guy to boot. This is the second episode of season two of the Jackass cast. I wasn't going to bring this out until I had a whole load of episodes in the can, as they say, in the biz. I decided to bring them out early so you had something to listen to because as time of recording we are all in lockdown hiding from the dreaded lurgy that's out there so hopefully you're all staying safe and well and this will give you an hour or so's worth of insight into the world of corner gas and music and just general hijinks really so sit back relax take the weight off your feet let your bum take the strain and here's my little chat with david story how are you sir i'm good 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 how was how was winter folk last week it was great it was really interesting there's a lot of really good acts you know and so i was between i was on the saturday night i wasn't on the main stage i was on kind of the there was like five stages and there's one big stage and there was a guy from um mozambique or something called yeah. donna roberts was playing the main stage and I was playing the second from the main stage. So oh, okay. it was good. A good crowd. They reacted. They sang along, which is always nice. And uh, it was really good. Oh, excellent. That's, that's good to know. They, so obviously the tracks are getting out there and people are, are learning them. In Canada, yeah. I'm not sure. You know, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't track it that much. I just, you know, now I'm focused on writing new material and getting as many gigs as I can. The festival looked like there's no end of people there. It was a really big deal. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was a fantastic location in Toronto. It was a really good festival. And I saw some real, like Dunne Roberts was really good. The guy from Mozambique. I saw a guy called Kevin Bright, who I, I don't, I didn't really know. But he followed me on the Saturday night. I was on from 10 to 11 and he was on from 11 till midnight. And yeah. then there was a bunch of people who I knew, I know, and, you know, I went like Noah Zachran and Cleela Harrington and and uh, Dwight, and Sue, Sue and Dwight, and just people that I already knew that I hadn't seen in a while that I went and caught their acts. It was really good. Is there a, a big sort of a, a folky community then in 
well, I suppose in Canada particularly, but so there's a folky community in Vancouver, and I've played a lot in that because I've been living out here. And then there's a big folky community in Toronto, but the two of them, for the most part, don't really interact with each other. Oh, right. Be- being um, England's premier blues artist myself, <laughs> you know, I don't, don't Google that, by the way. <laughs> when you do it probably come up you and eric clapton right i was just about to say clapton might come up before me but that you know that's open to argument <laughs> who's the other guy the the organ player you know he had a couple of big hits in the 80s uh stevie winwood stevie winwood yeah yeah because they played together i forget what the band was now it's quite a big a blues community over here folk is probably bigger but i've never really got involved in that side of thing yeah well the festival that i was just playing at it's called the winter folk blues and roots festival so I'm I'm a songwriter, right? So I'm more on the folky side of things. But there was a lot of great blues artists. I mean, local, you know, guys around, from around Toronto, Mike McKenna and uh, some other people like that, who, you know, are kind of legends in the Toronto blues scene, you know? Yeah. There was a lot of great blues artists. I, I like the blues if it's done well. And I like it when it takes a bit of a twist, you know? Yeah. That's what I do. I usually use P major seven. That Oh wow. Yeah. So when people I tell people that in case they think I'm playing something that's wrong or I'm not very good, they see a dodgy note. <laughs> that's P major no, seven. I'm doing that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Who um, are your favorite uh, blues guys? Well, it's funny. Well, Stevie Ray Vaughan is my all time hero and buddy guy. But what got me into blues is when I was learning to play oh, thirty five years ago i think roughly 30 years ago my guitar teacher played me jeff healy oh wow see, yeah. yeah see the light and i uh, just blown away i'd never heard anything like that in my life yeah and that that's what got me going that and the blues brothers i saw the blues brothers roughly the same time right so i was more into initially i was into sort of soul atlantic stacks and and motown and stuff like that then i heard jeff healy and that that was me of uh, wanting to know how'd you do that i've been playing ever since um yeah and you're, you're probably a, a decent guitar player i'm not really i mean i can play okay guitar but i'm not like i you know i wouldn't can i wouldn't consider myself a guitar player i, I play yeah. enough to back up the songs that i write i was thinking because uh, i mean you first because anyone listening i can tend to forget when i'm talking there'll be people listening to this eventually people will be wondering what are they on about music why aren't they talking about corner gas oh um, yeah okay because because um, actually when i first wrote up your first album coming home even the writers of, of corner gas animated when i tweeted about this said david's got an album <laughs> They oh do. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really mix the TV, you know, feature film world that I live in as a director and producer with my music stuff. I right. try to keep them separate, right? Yeah. Because you know, I, they're just two different things, you know. And yeah. uh, I like the music. I want people to hear the music, music, and like the music for what it is, you know, rather than oh yeah, that's the guy that directed Corner Gas, you know. Right. That. That is the problem with doing a, a site as I do, a fan site. And I say this so often. In all honesty, the music that you do isn't something that I generally listen to. And this is why you probably read it. I, that's what I it's alluded yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I read that, yeah. yeah thank it, you for that, by the way. I put a link to it on, on my David Story Music website. I saw it, actually, yeah. It gets read pretty much every day. 
yeah you're all the time you're that when it when i first put it out i got the biggest reaction to it of any post i've ever written wow Uh, literally it's not going to sound like much but like 800 reads in 24 hours i think it was that's pretty good yeah yeah, for me it is (laughs) and i couldn't believe it but the the problem was it's obviously so i i came in listening to it not knowing what to expect and i was genuinely blown away i i I didn't have anything on my cd player other than that your album for weeks and playing it on on spotify and uh you know amazon's on I just, I just loved it. Absolutely. I still do. I was listening to it earlier. And yeah. so obviously when I write that up and from what you just said, there is the exact problem. He said, Oh, well, he's going to love it because it, the guy does corner gas and it, <laughs> and it, it's not, it's not the case at all. I generally, if I, if I hadn't have liked it, I wouldn't have written it up. Oh, well, that's great. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, and I, I just, you know, I spend probably 80% of my waking hours working on Corner Gas. Yeah. And then the other 20% I spend playing music and, you know, working on that. Yeah. And Corner Gas is, you know, it's my bread and butter. And Brent and I have been doing it now for, I don't know how many years, a long time. 16. And we're partners. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I guess... We'd started in, well, he and I started it in around 2003, 2000, the end of 2002. Right. But it really got going in 2003. Yeah. You know, it's been a few years now. I don't know, 16, 17 years, something like that. Yeah, because uh, on the, the anniversary was the other day, the first episode going out. That's on, right, yeah. On, on that day, my website crossed over 50,000 views. Wow. It, it couldn't have been a better day because I put a video out because I don't do videos. I hate as I say, I don't like looking at myself, but I thought I'd do a video. I was, I said, oh, you can't. You, honestly, this is this is genuine anniversary, and this has happened. What are the chances? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was, it was really good. Had a good response to that too. So, so well, the show's been uh, doing really well. You know, we put it out on Amazon Prime, and now I think it's on IMDb TV, which is basically Amazon Prime. It's the same thing, yeah. right? And it's been doing really well, and mostly in England and the United States. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's that sort of because I look at my statistics every day, and you can see where it's being picked up. Where and it used to be that Canada was on the top, and then the UK because of well, because of my friends probably, uh, <laughs> and then the states. Um, but yeah. now it's the states that's on top then Canada, UK, Russia, really loads of people in Russia, which oh, that's is interesting. interesting. Japan, wow. all over, lo- lo- all over the world. But those are the, the top ones. It, you could that as soon as it went hit um, Amazon, you, you could see the difference. So you yeah. obviously do you, do you see that your side of this. You know what, Ian, to be honest with you, I don't pay any attention to that stuff. <laughs> I am for my job is to make sure that the creative side of the show is delivered as best as it can be, you know, um, and on time and on budget and all of that kind of stuff, right? So I spend most of my time in the writer's room, you know, organizing the writers, making sure they they stay on track and they know what has to happen. There was a time when I was more involved in the writer's room, but I'm an old fart now. So <laughs> and there's all these younger people in there, right? Who are anxious to make a name for themselves. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't need to make a name for myself anymore. So yeah. I just kind of make sure everything stays on track. And then, 
and that's a big job, right? And then, uh, so Virginia mostly and Brent are more, and you know, all the lawyers and the accountants and the managers and all that, they're all more concerned with where it's getting played and how many plays. I mean, I'm glad it's successful in the world. I think it deserves it. Absolutely. But to be honest with you, I'm not on Twitter. I don't, I'm not, you know, just doing this Skype thing is like, wow, I can't believe I made it onto Skype. I've been on Skype in like four years or something. Right. So anyway, I'm not really that concerned with that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm happy, but I don't check the numbers or, or anything like that because it's, it's a, such an all-encompassing role which part of it do you enjoy the most well i do the voice directing mm. so we get the cast in the studio uh, most of them in vancouver which is where we're kind of headquartered the creative side of the show is headquartered in vancouver and the business side of the show was headquartered in toronto right. so uh all most of the cast live in and around vancouver so they come in and all our bit players and day players and stuff like that, they're all in Vancouver. So they come into the Vancouver studio and then we patch in three of the actors from Toronto, Eric, who plays yeah. Oscar, Corrine, who plays Emma, and Tara Spencer-Nairn, who plays Karen, are in Toronto. And through the magic of the internet, the interweb, <laughs> as we are now the magic that we are experiencing right now we Indeed. connect everybody up and we do i direct the voices right for the yeah. that's the most fun part for me now i also i'm in, you know like i say i'm involved in the writer's room and other things but it's more sort of on an organizational level at this point than it is uh, hardcore writing yeah because you had a lot of new writers come in last season i i haven't been able to see the animated show yet so i have to go off of bits i've found on the internet and things so oh okay uh, do you switch out the writers a lot is there a reason for that yeah we started with a certain group of writers for season one and season two and then they were mostly toronto based and would fly out here and work in the writer's room for a couple of weeks and then go home yeah and then we just thought wow there's a lot of great writers in western canada especially in and around vancouver we should be making more of an attempt because what we did was we had we do what's called a breaking session where we break the story it goes away and we write an outline then a first draft then a second draft then we all get together after the second draft and do a punch right right and yeah. that first punch is basically for the story and then we do what's called a comedy punch and we bring in comedy writers and comedians and we go through the whole script and just punch up the comedy right yeah, yeah. so some of those not all of them but some of the comedy punch writers turned out to be really good just straight up writers right yeah. so we and they're based in vancouver and we thought wow why don't we give these vancouver comedians a chance just to write a script yeah and so we did and it worked out really well and we were you know we're trying to promote and invest in western canada bc especially vancouver writers and so most of the writers that are in the room now are based in BC. There's one who comes in fairly regularly who's based in Alberta, but I think she's going to move to uh, BC. So. Oh, right, right. This, it's this interesting you say, because that's something that always fascinated me. Being another part of my background is stand-up, 
And I've always wondered how stand-ups make that transition so easily to writing scripts or comedians in general, I suppose. It seems I, I, I often look at the writing scripts and um, there's a lot of technical aspects to it and say, well, how do they know how to do it so that they could get it just like that and have it be funny still or know what they're doing? The problem is, and um, this is not an, a, a slur on comedians, especially yourself, Ian, being no, a comedian. Don't worry, I'm, I'm no um, <laughs> problem is a lot of stand-up comedians, I, I don't want to say that they're lazy. I just want to say that they're busy, right? They've got, yeah, a, yeah. they're doing their live show, they're writing their stuff. Like it takes a big commitment to sit down, like let alone write a feature film, just to write a half hour comedy. Like you got to be able to write, you know, in the neighborhood of 33 pages, right? Yeah. 30 to 33 pages, you know, in that, that neighborhood. And that's a lot of writing and a lot of figuring out. And, yeah, you know, I mean, fortunately for us, our characters are already established and we know them. So uh, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. But for comedians, yeah, some of them can do it and some of them can't. We've asked lots of comedians if they want or if they're interested. But they, you know, in order to sell them up the chain, because you have to sell the writers up you know, to the network and yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah, you can't just team. say, okay, write a script. You yeah. know, there's a process, right? So yeah, you have to sell. So they have to write a spec script first so that we can then take that spec spec script and pass it around and everybody will go, Oh yeah, that's good. They've yeah. written a script. Right. So, yeah. and a lot of comedians never get past that stage. They never write the spec script. Because they're too busy or stuff gets in the way. Who knows? Yeah. I want to say lazy, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. It's all very well writing jokes, like on a blog, say, or something like that. But to actually make them fit a format and make sense and in, in, in amongst the story and character development and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very hard work. Because that's one thing Brent always says uh, when I've spoken to him or read about it. He says he's not very into character development. He's not interested in that. He's more interested in the joke. Does that make your life easier as a director? And um, Well, each, I, I would quibble slightly with him on that because he's really good at story, right? There's two sides to writing a half hour comedy, right? There's the story side of it and the comedy side of it, right? And Brent, and like, it's like he always says, oh, I'm not a very good performer, right? I just kind of play myself. And it's true. But I've, you know, if you go back and, for example, look at the episode, I can't remember, I think it was at the last episode of season five of the live action, where Lacey's going to leave town mm. and Brent and Lacey have this little scene together just before she goes. And it's kind of an emotional scene. Yeah. And Brent's performance in there is great. It's really good. Like, yeah. you know, uh, and, and he had done it and I thought it was really good. And then he said, Oh no, no, I want to do one more take. And he just took it up another level. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then there's also his performance in the episode uh, where it's his 40th birthday party. I can't remember what season that's in, but yeah. there's all there's it takes place at night and there's um, all these fireworks and things like that. And um, anyway, he's a really good performer and he's he kind of is self-effacing a little bit. I think he's a really good performer. I mean, yeah, maybe he's limited a bit, but he's never had the opportunity to stretch out. But it's the same thing with the writing. He's very modest about his writing abilities. He's great with story 
and especially great with the jokes, right? But yeah. he's really good with story. Because I sit in the writer's room and watch how it all comes together, episode after episode after episode after episode. Yeah. And, you know, story is like, that's where you start, right? Like, what's happening in this episode? It needs a beginning, it needs a middle, and it needs an end, right? Mm -hmm. Like, something happens, and then there's conflict, and then it gets resolved, right? Yeah. And you've got eight characters, and they all have to shine, and they all have to kind of complete their story in a in a satisfying way, right? And Brent's great at that. And now he has lots of backup and lots of help. He's got Andrew Carr there with him, and he's got Meredith, and he has whatever, you know, we've been working a lot with this woman called Jen Siddle recently, right. who writes, uh, is in the writer's room, and she's really good. And before that, he had Diana Francis in there, and they're all throwing ideas at him. But he's the kind of, the buck stops with Brent, right? So okay. if he doesn't, like, I've thrown ideas in, <laughs> and excuse my language, but he's shit all over them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's okay, you yeah. know, and you kind of... And then you just move on, right? And you try and solve it in a different way. No, he's really good at, I mean, his strength is comedy for sure, right? For sure, that's his strength. But I wouldn't demean his abilities to tell a story. And because, you know, when you're on stage, you know, entertaining an audience, you're telling a story, right? And he's yeah. great at that. He's a really good storyteller. Oh, absolutely. And, and physicality, is like you say, is his performance side. You know, I saw him my first trip out vancouver watched him and it, it just the sort of the the pantomime of it all to to get the joke yeah. over it may be a natural ability that he's not overly aware of maybe that he just does oh i didn't didn't realize i did that and it made it funny it's just got funny bones i suppose yeah <laughs> going back to a point there you, you just said like, like brent or, or shit on something I, i'm gonna throw something at you that i threw at him and andrew carr when i spoke to him and see what your take is it i had an idea when I was trying to get people on the website to join in, I want them to send fan fiction and art or some a jumper they've knitted with corner gas written on anything. And I so here's an idea just to get the ball rolling. Here's a little script of something I thought of. So I wrote a, an episode of corner gas animated in space. And oh, it was yeah. basically mashup of Star Trek and corner gas. And obviously Brent's a captain and I do all these silly jokes of, just, just something I threw up. And I said, is that something, I said this to Brent, I said, is that something that you would do? Could you do corner gas in space? And he, he just, as you say, he shit on it straight away. <laughs> and yeah. Andrew more or less agreed with him, but he, he, was, he was on the fence a little bit. He was being polite. So, so what would your take on that be? My, My take on that would be that, you know, corner gas is very grounded in Dog River. But what we do is we do a lot of um, kind of fantasy uh, sequences, right? Where, you know, like in the first, very first episode of Corner Gas Animated, Brent and Oscar are having an argument about the fact that Brent let the gas tanks run dry so nobody can get gas in town. And Oscar goes on about that movie and it's going <laughs> to happen. You know, you're going to get, and he's, what he's referring to is, oh, what's the name of the movie? Um, Mad, Max. Mad Max. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
they all show up and so and but it's like a little maybe 15 second a little bit right so the and we have done stuff in space with oscar not oscar with wanda and hank in space yeah. And but it was just a little fantasy sequence, right? So yeah, I think that idea would work if it was worked into a script that happened and it was a little fantasy thing where Brent has a fantasy or or yeah. Davis has a fantasy or something about or Hank, you know, about something happening in space and it was maybe 15 20 seconds long, you know, a page or so. Yeah. Um it would I, work that way. I framed it as the the beginning of it was a standard three of them around the counter so opening and then there's in in corner gas there's a, a tannoy goes captain to the bridge and brent sighs and they all walk through one of the fridges at the back and wanda sticks her head out it says end program and it's like the holodeck on right, star yeah, trek yeah. so the corner gas disappears and they're suddenly on a spaceship and that, that's uh-huh. the way i worked it in but it's just second, like uh that c.s lewis book the line the witch in the wardrobe yeah yeah, yeah they, they yeah. walk through the closet and then they're in another world, right? Yeah. And then here they walk through the the freezer, and they're in another world. That's cool. Yeah. 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 It was it was it was just as I say to get people try and work them up into doing something. Didn't work, but right. <laughs> we'll get there one day, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think like me, I just like I stay off Twitter and. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and that's enough, right? And yeah. uh, and mostly I just use it to promote my music shows. That's it. And pretty much all of my film friends, most of them, not all of them, but most of them aren't aware, aren't on my Facebook or Instagram page. Yeah. And I know I think you are, but and Brent is, and Nancy is, but outside of that, most of my sort of people that I know through, you know, film and tv aren't haven't are not on my links right yeah. so uh it's mostly people who like my music and you know want to converse about that so but what i'm trying to say is there's so much stuff coming at everybody all like i go i have three email addresses right yeah i have one that is just for junk email where, you know, you go into a store and they say, what's your email address? Yeah. And I'm and like half the time I go, why the hell do you need my email address? Yeah. They make up some excuse like, you know, well, we're going to send you an e-receipt. And I said, but I got the receipt right here in my hand. Yeah. Anyway, so and that's just get that's ridiculously crowded. Right. So, you know, I'll get 100 emails in a day sometimes, you know, really? just from people trying to sell me things, you know. Yeah. So I think to your point that people get bombarded with stuff. Right. And uh, and I also have a David Story music site. And I don't know how these people get a hold of me, but I get bombarded there with people trying to give them me, give them money for them to promote my stuff. Right. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I get that from. And just I'm not having- saying you're you're like that, but I'm just saying that people are bombarded with with all this stuff constantly, you know, on mm. Facebook and Instagram and email, and you know, it's just it's some it's just too much sometimes. Yeah. So that's why maybe people aren't as participatory as you would like them to be. Yes, true, very true. Is do you find that there's pressure, but certainly with the music side of things, to use um, social media? Yes. Oh, yeah. 
But you know what? I'm not, I play music and I love playing it. And, you know, I can get gigs around Vancouver and around Toronto. And I'm not trying to be a rock star or anything like that. And I'm just having fun, right? Yeah. And uh, I love to write songs. It's a lot easier to write a song than a 30-minute script. <laughs> you know, a two-and-a-half, three-minute, maybe three-and-a-half, four-minute song is, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's not like writing a 30-minute script is, you know, a lot of work songs are a little you know you have to i think pay more attention to each individual word than on in a script but but i'm just having fun with it right so yeah. i'm i don't expect anything big to come out of it you know i like recording with my friends and i got a lot of friends who are really good musicians especially in toronto you know like when i played there last weekend i think i did four shows one one of them i had my friends get up and play with me you know and they know my material and they played it on the album and it was yeah. great it was really good it was so much fun you know i, I saw because uh henry uh and i are friends on facebook right uh, and laurie as well but he, he's not on there as much but henry seems to have problems with, with remembering what the band's called he's always taking oh, yeah. <laughs> well originally it was supposed to be the handsome devils right and i we all really liked the handsome devils and we said okay that's the name of the band david story and the handsome devils right yeah. and then we found out that there was five other handsome devils bands scattered oh, across right. north america so then we thought, okay, well, we can't use that name. We have to think of something else. So we ended up with the Side Road Scholars, I think is what it's called. Yes. So it's like a play on Road Scholars, right? Yeah, yeah. The Side Road Scholars. So um, <laughs> anyways, and then, you know, we kind of stuck with that for a while. And like we were really busy last spring, you know, between when the album was released in February and the end of May, we were playing a lot around Toronto and and uh and then i had to move back out here so it kind of died off a bit and i've been playing solo around vancouver quite a bit and whistler yeah. up where i am in pemberton and up here i've been playing solo so it was nice to go back to toronto last weekend and pick up with those guys again and remember what and i think i'm going to spend more time in toronto in the next year or so so i'll be uh, i'll be playing a lot more with those guys there's a really nice atmosphere you seem to create live it's almost like it's like a fireside sort of feel to yeah it. yeah camp there's a band called the campfire poets that play around canada and we kind of have a similar i mean they're they're more sort of bluegrassy than we are although i like the bluegrass harmonies so we try and use those kinds of harmonies in my music but yeah it's it's very folksy and you know i tell a lot of stories to introduce the songs and try to get people laughing and tell interesting stories and because some of the songs are you know like there's one song about a murder that happens in a little yeah. wet and uh, you know, so some of them are pretty heavy, right? So I try and lighten it up in between by telling funny stories. Something I was, I was listening because I was listening to the out, f first album earlier, and you do nicely balance that sort of yeah darker edge with humor. I mean, in particular, I'm gone is quite that's quite a nice sort of jolly. I'm ch going to change my life sort of yeah to hell with everybody else and. We are the greatest. That's it. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. That one's really funny. I love. That's my probably my favorite track. Oh, that's, thank you. That's yeah. brilliant. Well, that's, really that, good. that's a great like that one. I always save that for, like especially if I'm playing in a bar. Yeah. I save that till the end of the night 
well, towards the end of the night after everybody's hammered, right? And they're because it's a great song to sing along to, and I get them to yeah. swing their beer glasses around, and you know, and they kind of you know, and then I try to get them to hug the person beside them, you know, and then get them swinging their beer glasses and singing along because it's a it's a waltz, kind of like a umpampa, you know, kind of German waltz right it's yeah. got that kind of feel to it yeah people really like that and they always sing along to that song yeah that's one of my favorites too it's yeah. brilliant and then i like i love the themes that travel because as you say they're all stories i mean what, what comes first the music or the lyrics Does for the... me mostly i'll write the music first like I'm, I'm not necessarily the music like the melody line or anything but just a bunch of chords that sound really good together Mm-hmm. And then I'll build it from there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll get if I can get some really interesting changes going, you know, on the guitar, then and then it's not complicated. It's all pretty simple. Right. But right. if I get some interesting riffs or things like that going on the guitar, then I'll build the song from there. And I always have uh, stuff going on in my head about, wow, oh, man, I wish I could write a song about this or that or, you know. Yeah. In fact, when I wrote that, I got one of your lyrics wrong. I thought you said Krusty and I'm Chuff. Yeah, no. Chuff. Chuff. Yeah, yeah, so a Chuff over here can mean a, a bottom burp. Uh, oh! <laughs> I, I, called it a trouser, oh okay. I called it a trouser cough, and you said you were going to use that in a, as, in a, in a song. Have, have you managed that yet? Not yet, no, but it's on my <laughs> list. Trouser cough, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, yeah, it's I'm crusty and I'm tough, right? It was, I wrote that song. Um, <laughs> I had, uh, unfortunately, I had a bit of, uh, this was year, about two or three years ago. I had a run in with cancer. I had to have uh, an operation and the operation um, was successful and everything is good and nothing's come back and I'm healthy and all is good. Uh, but it was kind of written around that time. Oh, I see. You have sort of themes like growing old disgracefully is is quite prevalent and drinking beer and hockey because yes. I know you're a big hockey fan. Yes. Um, actually, when we last met and we spoke, I was a bit concerned about the idea that because you support Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe. Yes. And yes. then you have Brent and Fred who are. Oh, I know. Believe me, I get into it with them tonight. Is a big night because Toronto, Vancouver Canucks, the hockey team, are in Toronto playing the Maple Leafs, ah. and they're both and they're both fighting for a playoff spot. So Toronto looks like they're going to make it in. Vancouver's kind of on the bubble. Toronto has more points at this point, I think, than Vancouver. So it's going to be an epic game tonight. On we have in Canada, we have similar to your BBC, we have something called the CBC. Oh, right, yeah. The CBC is sort of the public broadcaster. So every Saturday night, starting around 6.30 till about 1 o'clock in the morning, they play games all across the country all night long. Yeah. And it's called Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> and, you know, anybody who's interested in hockey, which is probably 85% of Canadians or 80% anyways, you know, they, that's the CBC's biggest ratings are on that night because wow. they'll play, you know, Toronto game. They'll play the Montreal game. They'll play Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, whatever Canadian teams are playing. They kind of stack them all up and then just play all the games. And the NHL times it so that the CBC can play all those games. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? So 
it'll be a good night to be in town tonight. I wish I was your side of the pond. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in. I'm way up in Pemberton, which is about two hours north of Vancouver, up in the mountains. Right. And uh, that's kind of where I hang my head these days. So in town, there's a bar uh, called the, it's called the Pemho. So my brother's coming up and he and I are going to go down to the Pemho and watch the game down there. Because last time we were down there, we were playing Montreal and there was a bunch of Montreal fans there. And there was me, my brother and I. Yeah. And I think my other brother was here. I think there was four of us down there and there was about five or six Montreal. And we were just going back. I'm sure, you know, it's soccer in England. It's the same thing, right? Yeah, Where, yeah. I mean, we were good naturedly ribbon the Montreal Canadiens fans and they were it was all good natured no there was all no good, fighting yeah. or anything like that but but it's fun when you're in a crowd like that and there's people cheering so tonight all the bars it's you know everybody in there is going to be a Vancouver fan and I'm going to wear my Toronto Maple Leaf hat so <laughs> well see, it's going to be fun that's why see I was worried about you and the whole Brent thing so I went and got one. Oh, nice see? Because uh, oh, I, 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 you see, but it's because I thought the the split obviously wasn't fair, and that the fact that they were picking on you just didn't sit right with me. Thank you, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> however, however, if I'm talking to them, I got one of these as well. <laughs> oh. Ooh. <laughs> see, I, uh, I like and, to... and I I have to say, like I really I like the Canucks, and I tried really hard when I moved out here to become a Canuck fan, but I just couldn't do it. But I admire what the Canucks have done, and I appreciate everything they do. I just and Brent used to be when I first met Brent, he was a Leafs fan. Oh, he okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, turncoat. He's a turncoat. Yeah, he switched. Fred has always been, and he hates Toronto, right? I don't. I don't hate Vancouver. I admire Vancouver. I th I think they're a good team. We're in completely different divisions, so. Yeah, we don't really play that each other very often, and but there's a big, it's calmed down a lot now. But there used to be a big Vancouver has a big chip on its shoulder about Toronto, because if you're in Canada, Toronto was sort of the center of business and uh, media, and you know as far as the Canadian side of things are concerned. Yeah, Vancouver has a great business out here, but most of it is service industry stuff. Oh, okay. you know, where American companies relocate up here because, you know, our dollars worth, I think, 75 cents to their dollar. So they get a, a better return. So Vancouver is really known as being sort of a service industry place. Oh, I see. They don't create much of their own stuff, but a lot of people come into Vancouver and do stuff here. So that's what keeps them going. I've only ever been to Vancouver. I'm really keen to get to Toronto. Yeah, Toronto's a great city. It's more East Coast, you know, more kind of New York-y than it is, you know, California, you know, West Coast. It's more spread out than Vancouver. It's kind of bigger and more spread out. And it's a lot, you know, if, if I had to make a comparison, it would be New York City. Again, coming back to music, I couldn't believe walking around Vancouver, the amount of music that's it's everywhere, just people playing on streets and loud too if, if, if they were playing that loud in london they'd be off some bobby would have them off by their ear <laughs> yeah 
Well, the thing is, it depends on what time of year. When were you? You were there in the fall, right? Yeah, September. But both times I've been was around September. Yeah. Yeah, because you see, you can play on the streets in Vancouver pretty much all year because it doesn't get really cold in Vancouver. It occasionally gets really cold, but yeah. in Toronto, starting you know mid-September, end of September, all the way through to the end of April, yeah, it's cold and snowy. Uh -huh. Toronto, yeah right really cold like it you know like it can get down to minus 30 you know that kind of thing now it's not like that all the time but you know there'll be probably two weeks in the middle of the winter where it's minus 30 for people's pipes freeze and all that kind of stuff happen yeah. whereas vancouver you don't get that it's pretty much day in the winter it stays about maybe three four degrees above zero blimey four <laughs> i mean we've been hit by a lot of storms these last four weekends we've had um four really bad uh rainy storms lots of wind but it's never really that cold so it's not something i can relate to really yeah. i went out yesterday i live just north of whistler right yeah. about 15 minutes north of whistler so i thought ah thursday i went out in the morning and played some hockey in town in whistler and then came back up and did some work and i got up yesterday morning i thought i'm gonna go for a ski so I went to the top of Whistler, the very top, the peak, right to the peak of Whistler, right? And it was like minus 20. You couldn't see a thing. The wind was blowing, you know, the snow everywhere. And you're trying to ski and you can't even see your feet, right? Because there's so much cloud and snow and it, yeah. and it was cold up there. It was like, it had to be minus 18, minus 20, something like that. Plus you're trying to ski and you can't see, right? Yeah. And, and fortunately I know the mountain fairly well. So I was able to get down below the cloud line into the trees where it was a little more sheltered. And I just spent the morning skiing down there. And then I think I left around one o'clock, something like that. That's very James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't, I'm not jumping off any cliffs with a British parachute tied to my back. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do indeed. In fact, the, the chap that did that stunt lived in the village that I'm, I come from. Oh, yeah. wow. Really? Yeah, yeah, he did. He was, um, he did all skiing stunts. That was his thing. And he actually come a cropper because he was practicing on a trampoline in his back garden and he fell off and he broke his back. Oh um, my God. Yeah, I believe that's the story. Anyway, it was a long time ago. Yeah, he was a local lad. So that's our little village's claim to fame, really, is that parachute bit. <laughs> well, that kind of really was the thing that started the whole kind of extreme skiing experience, especially out here up in the mountains. You know, now we have this new gondola called the Peak to Peak Gondola that goes between Blackcomb and Whistler. It's about a kilometer and a half long yeah and you go over this big valley and you're like a kilometer up and you know when it first opened all these guys were breaking out getting on the roof of the gondola and then jumping off and then pulling oh, their right. but that particular scene in that james bond movie really kind of got that whole scene going right that was yeah. what everybody pointed to is there was a, one guy out here who unfortunately died but he was doing the same thing a helicopter let him off on top of this mountain and he skied down the side of the mountain and off this cliff and he was going to pull his he had one of those squirrel suits you know those oh yeah yeah fly suits and he was going to pull that and then do that and then yeah. pull his thing but his skis wouldn't he couldn't get them undone oh nice and so he ended up crashing and and killing himself unfortunately oh, he was from around here God, but that yeah. kind of stuff is is huge out here where I'm where I'm at you know 
Yeah. And everybody points to that James Bond scene where the guy jumps off the cliff. <laughs> but the beauty of it is that he pulls the chute and poof, out comes a British flag, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. the beauty of it. It's you know? genius, really. That's yeah. what apparently that, that really invigorated the whole James Bond franchise because it was on its dying on its ass, as they say. Yeah, but, well, that was when Roger Moore was, you know, and I like, I, you know, Roger Moore is great, but I, I couldn't believe that Roger Moore as James Bond would jump off a cliff and pull. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And when Roger Moore threw a punch, I never believed that he actually hurt anybody. Where yeah. Sean Connery, or especially the guy now, Daniel Craig, if he punches somebody, I believe, oh yeah, that that would hurt. Definitely. Right? Well, it was an era, wasn't it? It was, it was very yeah. camp. And, um, but my, you know, my younger brother, who's ten years younger than me, he loves the those ones. You know, the uh, Roger Moore, James. Those are his favorite ones, right? Yeah. And, I never really liked the Roger Moore ones. I really liked the Timothy Dalton when he was, I liked his. They're my favorites, actually. Again, when, what was the guy's name? You know, Remington Steele, that guy. Uh, what was uh, the guy's Pierce name? Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. I never believed him as James Bond. I really believed Daniel Craig. Right? Yeah. Like, he's kind of really made him a brute, you know? Yes. And I, th I think, I'm looking forward to this last Daniel Craig one. It looks good. But he is bringing it back to the original Bond as he yeah. was in the books. Is he? Well, he yeah. wasn't a nice, pleasant person. No. Uh, not that I've read many of. I've read a few. Actually, thinking about it, would Corner Gas, especially animated, be interested in sort of an English voice at all? Because I, I know a fella. <laughs> that whole James Bond vibe, uh, particularly an English accent, might do the show a whole lot of good. Just well, we did an episode in season one called Cousin Carl. Yes. And I believe, I can't remember, but I believe it was supposed to be Brent's cousin who was visiting and he, he was, he lived in England. He was British. The guy that played Cousin Carl, actually, he, he did a gig literally a few doors down from my house and I couldn't go because I was in Canada watching Brent. <laughs> ah. I think it was. Yeah, I can't remember there. the comedian's name, but he's a Canadian comedian and, yeah. uh, he Mike. he's done a lot. He's been around for he's he's really good. He's done a lot of stuff. He's kind of a lot bluer than let's say Brent is. You know yes. he does, he goes right to the edge, right? Yeah. But he's really famous in Canada and especially amongst a certain generation of Canadian comedians. He's like a big star. Are you drinking beer? Yeah. Well, it's got to be seven o'clock somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it must be seven o'clock where you are. <laughs> Ten to eight. 10 to 8. Anyway, back to Corner Gas. I can imagine getting it all together must be hellish. All those different people having, you know, weaving the web to get that one episode together. Oh, yeah. And, and everybody has their job, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, most of the creative stuff is done in Vancouver. So then it's all got to get shipped to Toronto, which is not that difficult to do because everything's on, you know, on the interweb. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I don't know how many people. On one episode, there's probably, you know, maybe 100 to 150 people that have had their fingers on the episode at some point. I mean, it shows to have uh, a team that big that everyone's good at what they do because the end product is just amazing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we have a really strong creative voice in Brent because he it kind of comes from him, right? So he's the, the buck stops with Brent. So that's really handy. So if there's a problem, you know, if the animation department has a problem, we have like an animation director in Toronto, Stephen, yeah. 
And so if he's having a problem, he can just email Brent or text him or call him or whatever, and they can look at it and work it out. And he knows that he's going to get an answer. And so it, in some ways, it's very efficient that way. So you're well into season three now, I'd imagine. That's Yes, we're about halfway through season three, and we start writing season four in April. Oh, excellent. Now, we don't have an official green light on season four, but they've the network has greenlit some development funding so that we can start oh. writing season four. Yeah. So we start writing season four in April. That doesn't mean there's going to be a season four because it's not greenlit yet, but sure. there's enough confidence that there will be a season four that money has been sprung to hire writers to start to write it. So yeah. that's oh. a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Is Am I allowed to put that on the podcast or should I cut that out? <laughs> no, you can put that on the podcast just as long as everybody understands that season four has not been green lit, but that we are starting to write season four in anticipation that it will be green lit. Yeah, excellent. I know there'd be a lot of people very excited about that. You know what? It's hey, funny you should mention that. Here in Canada... I can always tell a real corner gas fan from somebody who's just paying a lip service. Yeah. And how you can tell a real corner gas fan in Canada is they don't say corner gas, right? They yeah. say corner gas. Oh, yeah, I love corner gas. Huh? And if they go corner gas, then I know they're a real fan. Yeah. And if they go corner gas, then I kind of suspect that maybe they're just painted lip service. Right. It's I don't know why, but in Canada, people who really are fans of the show tend to say corner gas. Yeah, that's I don't know why, but that's just that's a funny quirk that has happened here. Yeah. Now, I, I suspect that that doesn't play out in the United States or the UK, but here in Canada, that's how people say it, corner gas. Most people in the UK, to be honest, when I mention it to it, they, they don't say it like that. They just go, what? i do see more and more people in the uk and definitely the states i mean the states have gone mad for it as far as my figures are concerned and things as i say in england i can see more fans growing and getting in contact with me to get info and and what have you it's really nice i I keep saying one day i'm gonna put a tweet out say i'll be in london who wants to meet me come and say hello and we'll sing the theme tune or something i don't know (laughs) yeah well, there was a producer that came to Canada a couple of years ago from England who wanted to franchise Corner Gas in England. Oh, really? So he was going to take all our scripts, recast them in England and have it play out in a uh, some small town in northern England or something like that. Yeah. But it, the deal that they presented wasn't very good. So we took a pass on it. Probably best. My best example of that happening was Married with Children, the 80s show. With yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my all-time favourites, I have to say. And they made an English version over here, probably late 80s, early 90s, with one of the top television comedic actors at the time, Russ Abbott. They were the exact same scripts, word for word, but it was awful, absolutely shockingly bad. And it was because of the cast. And it's just a a perfect example of how if you haven't got that cast, like you have in Corner Gas and Married with Children, many other examples, it can just fall dead on its face. It's a viewer's opinion, obviously not not professional opinion. Have you ever come across casting that 
just doesn't work or have you had to think well oh, somebody's come in for corner gas and you're like, yeah, it's not gonna work um well you know we have a like when as far as corner gas is concerned we have a pretty good bead on what's what's needed you know and we've been doing it for a long time so you know, when we were casting the what's what we call the denizens, you know, um, yeah. they're the little bit parts, you know, of townsfolk, right? There's Lanny and Zeke and uh, Boo and Juan and Lynn. And, you know, we had a pretty good idea of what they should be, mainly because both Brent and I grew up in small towns. Uh, mine was in Ontario. His was in Saskatchewan. So we kind of have a feel for, and we don't, but we don't want to be hokey, right? So we both have a good feel. So when we were casting original series, we were actually in Saskatchewan and we were casting local actors. So, you know, they were real because they were from Saskatchewan. And when, now that we're in Vancouver and we're doing it all in Vancouver, it was a little bit tricky at first. And then, you know, we got into all the diversity stuff that you have to get into these days, but we ended up, uh, it took us probably a good two or three months but we ended up get finding the right people and uh, and they've been great. They've stuck with us. You know, we keep hiring them over and over and over again. You know, they're, it's been really good. So, yeah, casting is super important. Like you were talking about, I guess the, the positive example would be The Office. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which yeah. started with, I believe, Ricky Gervais, right? In, yes, that's right. In England. I yeah. think he only did like six episodes or something yes. or... Two Ten episodes or something? Twelve episodes and two specials, I think. That's kind of his pattern with any of his shows, right. I think. Two series and two specials. Yeah, um, well, he did... Uh, I, and I remember seeing the original Office with Ricky Gervais, and it was hilarious. Yeah. And then it went to America, and they cast it well, right? Yes, yeah. They had Steve Carroll played the Ricky Gervais part, and, the you know, the supporting cast was really good. Yeah. And, and that, I think, went for, like, eight or nine seasons i believe yeah it's a long american time version. Yeah. yeah and that was really good the writing was good and they kind of took off from what ricky gervais had started and then expanded on it and took it to different places but still keeping the same overall tone that he set yes and that's an example of something that worked there's always um stories on, on both sides of the fence i suppose i wonder if it, it does work better going the other way from here to the there maybe i don't know I, i'm trying to think of other examples of the other way around but i can't think of any to be honest i'm sure there are some <laughs> oh yeah 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 i can't think of it comedy wise i can't think of anything no i can't so uh, i can think of ones that did work like in between us is one that was really popular over here and the it crowd they went over to the states and didn't work and the it crowd actually had one of the english guys go over and do it over there and it just didn't flow. But well, yeah. what's the name of that? There's a funny one that was pretty good. It wasn't the greatest, but it was okay. It was about two British writers who had created a successful comedy in Britain, and oh. then they moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's a husband and wife team. Episodes. Episodes, yeah. And it had one of the guys from Friends in it. Yeah, Joey um, from Friends was yeah. there. That I watched the first season of that. That was interesting, right? Yeah. But it was a real kind of inside the business myopic a bit, you know. Yeah. It wasn't really kind of 
universal for everybody. Mm. It's a bit yes. myopic. I've, I felt anyways. I could. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really. I watched a couple of them. I think it didn't really float my boat. So I, I, I tend not to watch a lot of telly these days, to be honest. I don't even watch the show unless I really have to. <laughs> I'd have yeah. nightmares. <laughs> well, do you watch the streaming services? I I, I do, but I I tend not. Literally, the the site. Oh, Ian! Wow, you got to watch this British production. Brent turned me on to it. It's yeah. three episodes only. Yeah. So it's it's called Dracula. Oh yeah, I've got it recorded actually. That was it's over really Christmas. good. And the guy who plays Dracula apparently. From what I understand, and it just could be hearsay and rumor, but they're looking at him to play the new James Bond. Are they? He might be a little old, yeah. but you'll understand as soon as you see it. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Dracula, it's great. It's really, really good. Yeah, because it was from the team that put together the latest Sherlock, because with Benedict Cumberbatch. That's right. Yes, that's um, right. Yeah. Or Bumblebee Cucumber Patch, as I prefer to call him. <laughs> yeah, it's on my box. It's been there for uh, since Christmas to watch, and I, I haven't got around to it. I'll make well, you got to watch it. If you're going to yeah. watch something, you know, if you're going to sit down, okay, what am I going to watch? Watch that. It's really good. Because I've, I've got into the habit now of just, if I have any spare time, I'm writing. Um, right, yeah, yeah. I've tried to, like the, the site, I've planned out a year's worth of posts ahead of time. Oh. And that year... Of, of posts has come from the first six series, six episodes of the first series season. Right. I, I'm looking for my new type because I've got to make it last. Right. I'm assuming yeah. there's not an infinite amount of things I can write about. So yeah. to keep my own interest going as well, I try to think of it as more of a companion to the show rather than because anyone that comes to see it is probably a fan already or have heard, at least heard about it. Yeah. It's like I say with the music, I can't, I can't be critical. There's no point. There's there's no yeah. point, and I, I wouldn't want to be anyway. So, and can't you know? I, I can write about the main cast is what most people want to hear about, or certain members of the crew. So now I'm trying. Like tomorrow's post is going to be. I've been doing cookery ones. So oh, cool. I, I did a chili cheese dog one, obviously, with a recipe, and and then I make up the history of chili cheese dogs and. It's all right, right. no, it's all nonsense. It's just silly stuff. And tomorrow's is going to be apple crumble because it's oh, nice. men it's mentioned in the in the first episode. Yes. So that minute I'm looking for is like apple crumble. Right, I'm writing about apple crumble. <laughs> well, um, you'll you'll have a good time this year. In season three, we do one where it's Karen's birthday, and uh, Davis organizes a whole um, birthday party for Karen. Yeah. And wanda and lacy do the food for the party <laughs> and i won't tell you i don't want to tell you what yeah, yeah, yeah. how it works out but the uh, the whole one of the plot lines i guess it would be like the a or b plot line is wanda and lacy trying to pull together the food for karen's party oh, and there's I, some interesting food choices in there oh well i'll be i look forward to that because it's they're actually i've always said a corner gas or ruby cookbook would go down a tree oh yeah that's a good idea yeah i think, I think it would I, I mean you could have you could i'd have the characters favorite recipes and or the actors as well you know they could chime in and you could pick the you know chili cheese the obvious ones pierogies whatever it may be 
and my the way my brain goes is me, i've got a million ideas silly ideas like that yeah just to try and keep yeah. the website going it's fun but it, it's it is as i say it's just to sort of stretch it out i've got a bit of detail about the show in there but then i can just go off on tangents really so use it as a starting point yeah yeah absolutely and then last week i'm looking at all the every i'm trying to find do biographies for every actor or 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 artist that has been in the show so last week i did a lady lady called andrea runge i think her name is if i pronounce that correctly she was barmaid, basically. She's in it for like three seconds, probably. <laughs> uh, and what I failed to think about was the lack of information that might be available. <laughs> yeah. So her biography I wrote was uh, her birthday. And the rest I had to sort of, it ends up being, a, well, you like Corner Gas and she's in it. Why not go and see these other things that she's been in? Yeah. Which, is, which is also it's kind of good, but it, it kind of diverts a bit too far sometimes. But Have you uh, looked at Amy Maticio? I have, yeah. I've tried to get hold of her a couple of times, but I failed miserably. I, she was one of the first people I wrote about, actually. Did and I, obviously you've written about Cavan, who plays Fitzy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was actually a really hard one to do. There was very little or nothing about no interviews that I could crib from or, or gain, you know, nothing there's a movie out there that fred's in that was shot in regina that stars ryan reynolds just friends Ah, i think that's it yeah Yeah. cavan is in that movie yes i've got it here somewhere no it's it's interesting just going through and then you find i find out so much information and then i'm glad to share these other projects you know that like your music and and i think it's more important in some respects to point out, you know, Fred's made this movie or Gabrielle's doing this or check out this actress that was in the background. She's done all these amazing things. Hopefully it helps everyone. What, have, you, have you any more albums due or are you, are you looking to make No, a- I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, I put one out about once every three years. So my last one came out, Made in Canada came out in uh, this time last year. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working that this year and you know, I've the first album made in Canada or not made in Canada coming home. I've only got three copies left. Have you? So I sold all the rest of them. So oh, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, but yeah. Made, the made in Canada one has been selling well, but I've still probably got about maybe 300 of those left. So my goal has been to, you know, sell those CDs. And I usually do it from the stage or like I'll do a festival and they have a merch table. So yeah. last week. I did Winter Folk. I think I sold 10 copies of Made in Canada. And I didn't put any coming home CDs out because I've only got three left and I want to keep them, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But the Made in Canada one, I think I sold around 10 or so. Do you think that's because of the, the digital age? Because I, I, I listen to it on um, Amazon. Absolutely. It's, well, I don't know. You know what? I, I I made sure that it's on Amazon, it's on Spotify, it's on all the places, right? But I never, I don't track how many listens it gets or yeah. I don't really, you know what I mean? For me, it's if I play live and at the end of the show, and I also, I'm not a young up and coming rock star, right? I'm mm-hmm. sort of on the north end of my life and my career the people who come to see me 
there's no 15 year old girl throwing their braziers at me or anything like that, right? <laughs> like, remember Tom Jones? They used to throw, take their clothes yeah. off and throw them at Tom Jones. Anyways, was it Tom Jones? Yeah, it was Tom yeah, Jones. Tom yeah. Jones. What, what, yeah. fellow and was... also the other guy, Neil Diamond. They used yeah. to do the same for him, right? But, uh, and funny enough, I remember going to see a Frank Zappa concert and they did that for Frank Zappa too. <laughs> anyway, but he really encouraged it, right? Tom yeah. Jones didn't encourage it. They just did it. Did uh, so anyway, there's no, I don't have that kind of fan base. Most of the people that come to see me are, you know, over 35 and over. And a lot of them still have CD players in their cars. Yeah. So if I do a show and, you know, I mean, if I do a, a good show, there'll be maybe 150, 200 people in the audience. And at the end, I go and stand at the back. And if I sell 10 or 15 CDs, it means I did a good show. So I got paid for the show, yeah. plus I sold maybe, you know, 10, 15 CDs at 20 bucks a pop. And then those, and I'll sign them, right? And yeah. then those people will go out to their car, flip out the CD and put it in there. So there's still, the generation that I'm in, people still listen to CDs. But you're right, most most of the people who are probably listening to, like, where was I the other day? I was playing in Whistler and somebody, I, got, I came out down in between sets and I was sitting having a beer at the bar and this guy and his wife come up and said, oh, we really liked uh, what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Where can we hear you? And I said, I don't know, you know, Spotify, Amazon, whatever. Yeah. And he said, oh, well, we really like this one particular song, the one about the guy that got killed in Lillooet, right? Yeah. And uh, so before I know it, he's got the song on his telephone and he's playing it to me sitting at the bar coming out of his telephone. He had gone on to Amazon, I think, and found it on Amazon or maybe on, I don't know, Spotify or whatever, and was playing it on his telephone right there, right at me, right? And I went, oh, it took him like 10 seconds, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there is, you know, there is an advantage to it, but. I don't know when I was younger and I'm not trying to sound like some, what's the the phrase? Yes. Boomer or whatever. Right. Yeah. But when I, when I was younger, uh, you had to really work to get your music. You know what I mean? Like you had yeah. to get the car, drive, find a record store, hope they had the record that you wanted. And a lot of times I didn't because I was looking for off the mainstream stuff, you know, like Ry Cooter yeah. or Little Feet or people like that. Right. Yeah. And so they didn't have that at your regular um, record store. So you had to really work to find that stuff. Yeah. So then when you got it, half of the, half of the joy of it was the battle of getting it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, putting it on your record player and dropping the needle on it and all of that. Right. And, uh, whereas today you can pretty much get anything within, Just you know, pushing boop, your boop, boop, and there it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I had to go to, cause I listened to uh, well, the blues obviously. And I used to love buying comedy LPs and it, it, I had to go to London, uh, Virgin Megastore on Oxford street was one of the only places I could get them. Uh, yeah. cost an arm and a leg so I had to save up for them as well and I didn't actually know what I was going to buy because yeah. obviously you didn't have the internet to tell you oh this is available or this guy's a great comedian or this blues act is great you had to go and literally judge a book by its cover and yeah you know and sometimes I'd find classics like George Carlin or uh, I don't know Weird Al Yankovic or something and you know, oh, they were great and then you get your odd ones and they, I don't know poorly sure it's like oh <laughs> won't get another one of those then <laughs> yeah that's 20 quid well spent um <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah it was it was just yeah it was hard work but as you say oh, it was hard miss. absolutely i remember same thing with music i didn't buy too many comedy albums i did buy a few like i was i really liked uh cheech and chung yeah so i i think they had like two or three albums out and i bought those and uh but, you know, there was a few music albums that I bought that, you know, I probably spent 20 or 30 bucks on that at the time was a lot of money because they were imports from England or whatever. And yeah. I was going, why the hell did I buy this? You know, yeah. but then you hit a winner, you know, and uh, it was like, wow. Yeah. OK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was um, it made it all worthwhile. It, once it, you. It, absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd always find some and then you had to go and find all the other ones and then you didn't know how many there were and yeah, um, yeah it's great <laughs> simpler times yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's, it's interesting hearing that it, it works both sides sides of the pond i mean going to london now you used to when i was a kid there's all these different little collectors records places and or if anything unusual, if you wanted it, it'd be there. And there'd be a little shop off the side of uh, Charing Cross Road or something. I used to go to antiques ones with my dad. And he used to collect 3D, like Victorian 3D postcards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was one shop I remember going into. It's just like something out of Harry Potter. Like little wow. tiny, and, and he had like the floor to ceiling, these little sort of index drawers. Right, and right. your dad would ask him for something and he, this old guy would know exactly what it was and he'd climb a big ladder and he'd pull out this big long drawer and uh, then bring it all the way down and dad would flick through them and they'd be all too expensive and say, oh, thank you very much. And you'd have to put it back again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it that's the way it used to be, right? And uh, and that's okay. You know, things change. Now you can find probably find all of that stuff uh, digitized on the internet. Yeah, so. or buy them from eBay and, and the chase. Yeah, from eBay. yeah. And, all and those they shops. show up at your door with a drone. A drone drops them at your doorstep. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. But it's, yeah, they're all, they're all gone now. It's such a shame really is, is there anything that you um want me to sort of get out to people or uh, any shows or no no i'm good i'm lining up some new shows i just did the uh you know the winter folk thing and um so uh, what happens is when i do shows like that i have a certain amount of time during the day that i can focus on music and so when i have big shows coming i had a big show just before christmas in a, a town called Alora, which is northeast of Toronto. And so I focused a lot. I, I need to go over the songs and kind of rehearse and, you know, keep them fresh, you know. Yeah. And so now that this Winter Folk Festival thing is done, and I did a bunch of gigs there. I didn't do, I did various shows with various themes. So you have to pick various songs for those. You know, one of them was Earth what was it earth water and fire or something like that so i had to sing songs about earth water and fire you know <laughs> and then another one was like a small town one so anyways i have to you know you have to put a lot of thought into that then you have to rehearse the songs so i want to just kind of step back and focus on new material i've got like five or six songs that are kind of half written and i want to finish them off and then get them out and start playing them in front of people to see whether they're going to actually live or not yeah and yeah. um so that's kind of what my focus is music wise right now i'm probably not going to be doing too many live gigs until maybe even next fall i don't know i'll oh. get out and uh, i might open for people or do that those kinds of things just to get this new material out there, but I want to start playing all new material and 
retire the stuff that i have not to blow smoke up your bum but that's how when i first listened to the album i got i got the old goosebumps and a couple oh of that's good great yeah, good. yeah. i can't yeah. even begin to tell you how much i enjoyed it and I, I i try and tell everybody i know to to have a listen so oh great thank you thanks Sunday we can jam um, that would be awesome. Good. Maybe never... I'll do. Maybe I'll. I'll. I'll try and get a British tour together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That would be amazing. I can find you venues, big or small. I can recommend plenty. Okay. Well, yeah. I might take you up on that. I'm kind of busy with Corner Gas right now, but sometime in the future, I might take you up on that. Yeah. Please do. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're just finishing off season three and tentatively like i said we haven't been greenlit yet but we're tentatively starting a season four in the beginning of april but we started then but we got to do all this prep to get you know do you still want it to run and run well season at the end of season four we're gonna have to sit down and ask ourselves some pretty tough questions right Mm -hmm. because things change after the end of season four just we've been able to create the show at a fairly level pattern you know and at the end of season four people might be leaving and you know whether we have the same you know stuff happens right so everybody's on board for a season four if we get picked up we're not picked up yet but if we are picked up for a season four i think there's pretty much the team is on board but after season four things might change right yeah so we'll have to sit down at the end of season four and figure it out right yeah, uh, financially things change and personnel wise things change. So sure. I mean the cast is will always be there. You know, they're they're committed and for them it's pretty easy gig, right? Like we've got it down now, so we can do an episode in about three hours. Oh right. So yeah. We just have to drift into the studio and um and you know, it's three hours, well, including travel time, maybe four hours out of their day, and they're done, right? Wow. And then if they can't make it for some reason, if they have another gig, you know, something else they have to do, then we go, okay. So we we, you know, somebody else will read their part and then we'll bring them in later on and they can do it later on. So oh, yeah, you should shift things around yeah. and yeah. So for the cast it's really handy. And for me it's really handy, and for Brent and you know, for the core creative team, it's pretty, pretty handy to be it just when you get into it, like right now, where we're at now for the producers and the directors and the people who are working full time on the show, the animators and all those people, mm. you know, when you start working, you know, five or six episodes at a time, it gets all confusing. And was this scene from that episode or from that episode, you know, and yeah. you got to keep track of it all. And it gets pretty, pretty hairy. So, oh, and, and congratulations. Hopefully it'll go well for the awards as well. The, uh, oh, thank the you. Well, that's yeah. middle of March. We're up for six Canadian Screen Awards. Brent and Eric are nominated for their performance. And then two girls, two ladies from Toronto, Diana Francis and Kate. Uh, oh, yeah. Last name. Anyway, they're nominated for writing. The show is nominated as best animated show our uh, animation director Stephen is nominated as well i think i'm going to go down the bookies and put put a few quid on for the win <laughs> definitely definitely for the win and uh, all right okay yeah, good times because i uh, did well last year as well and then you got the, the 
the Leos haven't been announced yet, have they? They're, they're... No, we haven't. Uh, we haven't announced the Leos yet. So, or they haven't. We won Leo Award last year, which is like the BC Award, and uh, we won for uh, Best Animated Series. Yeah. And uh, Brent and I got up and made, you know, a few jokes. And well, Brent made a few jokes. I said a few, <laughs> thanked a few people, and then we got off. I wish you every success, anyway. As I Thank you, at the time, I should really let you go. I, I could talk all night. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> All right, take care, man, and uh, go Leafs, go. So there we are, little chat with David's story, the wonderful David story. I say little chat, it went on for hours. I've had to edit out all sorts of stuff. Some of it was very interesting. But that's the problem when you do these edits on the podcast. I have to cut out all sorts of stuff that you'd probably be interested in, but it didn't really fit into what was being said, either side of it, or he went off on a tangent and got lost. But... I'll save all those little clips and maybe bring them to you another time in a different podcast, like a best of thing, because that happens with all the guests. And I've got all sorts of little tidbits that I might be able to bring to you at a later date. Anyway, before that happens, don't forget to go and check out David's website, www.davidstorymusic.com. You can get hold of all his music there, obviously, and uh, live dates if you fancy going to see him play live. And there's all sorts of interesting information there. And there's links to my previous um, writings about him, uh, reviews of the albums and such. And obviously you can see more about David on my website, www.cornergasfan.com. So go and check that out. I've got another episode coming up soon. Another musical guest, the legend, rock legend that is Craig Northey of Odds fame and obviously the writer of the theme tunes from Corner Gas. So I'll be along with that uh, in a week or so. Until then, take care of yourselves. Cheery bye.